application in the affirmative. I thank you very much for following my instructions. As we concluded on Friday, the state had presented their last witness and now has rested. It's now the opportunity for the defense to proceed. Mr. Thornley, you may call your first witness. Can you please state your name for the record? Claudia Christina Sobra. Okay. And have you gone by other names? Yes, I've been married. Sobra is my maiden name, and uh, I was married before uh, under the name Bolte, and then I married a, a second time in Ohio. Uh, my last name was Herrick, and then I married a third time in Brazil, and then I had a, another last name. I don't think it's important. Um, but I never liked my first name. I always went by Chris. Okay. So it's went by Chris, not Claudia? No, not Claudia. And so you've gone by uh, Sobral, uh, Bolte, and Herrick? Yeah. Okay. you remember, was April 27, 2005, the first time you talked with Carl Herrig? I do. Okay. And uh, you met him on Match.com? Mm, yes. Okay. Um, at that time, where were you living? In New York City. Okay. Where in New York City? In Queens. I had an apartment okay. in Queens. And how long have you lived in New York City? Uh, about 20 years, 18 to 20 years. Okay. And uh, you were living in an apartment or a condo at that time? I was living in a condo that I, I had just bought, I think, in the year 2000 when I got a job with a CPA firm as an accountant. Okay. How much did you buy the condo for? Uh, I think it would be uh, a little bit over 100000 Okay. Uh, and it was, was oh, it? Oh, I'm sorry, a little bit of under a hundred thousand. It's a longer time ago, I don't remember it. So. Okay. And um, were you working in April 27th of 2005? Yes, I was, uh, was doing well. I was working as an accountant in, um, well, I had left the CPA firm. Actually, at that time, I was working for a private um, uh, company um, communications, they publish books, they okay. do communication. Okay. And I think PR, is called PR, and, for and writers. And you were working in, you were working as an accountant? I was the controller of working as an accountant for the company. And you at times have hesitated. Um, English is not your first language. No, I have a little bit difficulty sometimes understanding 
in speaking the proper expressions. Um, what is your first language? Portuguese. Okay. And where were you born? Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And when did you come to the United States? I think it was 1987, 88, or 89. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I'll ask, it, I'll ask it this way. How old were you when you came to the United States? Oh, okay. Uh, I was 24. 24. Okay. 24, yes. And had you already gotten a college degree at that point? I'm sorry? Had you already had a, an advanced degree in, when you came to Yes, I was. I had my accounting degree, uh, bachelor's degree, four-year degree in accounting. Okay. I was a straight-A student. Okay, and that was in Brazil? In Brazil. Okay, and that was in Portuguese? That was in Portuguese. Okay. And so when you came to New York City, did you uh, continue your education? Yes, I went to University of Hofstra. H-O-F-S-T-R-A, okay. uh, University of Hofstra in, in Long Island, uh, New York. Okay. And I took more uh, college uh, accounting courses to supplement, I mean, to understand uh, the terminology, accounting terminology in English better, to supplement my, my degree. Okay. And, but you did not get a second degree. No. I tried. They said it was not necessary. Well, I already had a degree, so I just took the additional accounting courses. Okay. And you stated before, you were married uh, to Dr. Bolte? I married, uh, yeah, to Dr. Bolte. Uh, he was a doctor in New York. Not, not before. He was still welcome through his medical residency. He was not finished yet when I met him. Okay. And how long were you married to him? Ten years. And you guys got divorced. Yeah, I filed for divorce because I was very abused by oh, just, uh, in my marriage. Just stop. So you filed for divorce? I filed for divorce. And, and the divorce was granted? It was granted. And how many years was that before you met Mr. Harry? So, well, I filed for divorce in 98, so I was single for... In 1999, and then I married, I met Carl in 2005, so about five years. Okay. So let's jump back to April 2005. Um, you met Carl on Match.com, right? Right. Okay. And um, you had, initially you had some concerns about talking with him and having a relationship with him. I did because I thought it was weird that uh, a man from Ohio would contact a woman in New York being that uh, I put the range of a person that I wanted to meet right in New York City um, like 10 miles uh, and there comes a man that was like 500 miles away. For me, I thought it was strange. Okay. When you said, I questioned him about that. Okay. When you said you put a range on it, on, on Match.com, you can enter how far away from you you want to meet people. Yes. Okay. And I think you said you, you put the range at 10 miles. Yes. Okay. And so Carl was the one that contacted you. Yes. 
And did you tell him about this concern that he lived 500 miles away? I said, yes, I told him, and I said, why are you contacting a woman in New York, being that you're in Ohio? And he gave me a story, a weird story that didn't make any sense. Okay. Did he tell you he was in the Air Force Reserve? He did tell me he was, yes, that he was in the uh, uh, US, uh, US Air Force. And um, did he tell you that he could relocate to Stewart, New York? Right, that was the story he told me. He said, um, I saw you, I've been following you on Match.com for months, but I finally uh, decided to uh, contact you because now I have an opportunity to move to New York. There was an air, there was a, a, a air, air base 50 miles from New York, I think it's called Stewart. Um, and I'm going to move there. I'm single. I have no children. I've been divorced for, I think he said, 10 years. And I don't have any children living with me. My children live in uh, North Carolina. So I'm free to move to any place in the U.S. And, um, and I've been thinking about moving to New York. And there is, I can move to Stewart. That is 50 miles from from New York. Okay. Um, and after you guys exchanged a few uh, emails, um, he flew into New York? Um, yeah, we exchanged a few emails for like a week. And he said, um, look, I can't fly anywhere I want because I have this flying privileges. Uh, you can just tell me what time you want to meet, the day and time you want to meet to be uh, in New York, and I'll be there. Um, but I was working, so I think I told him that he could come on a Friday. He did show up on a Friday, just the way he said. Okay. And he said, you can give me less than a notice, I'll prove to you I can be there. He did, he did that, okay. just like he said. Okay. So he flew in Friday just like he said? Yeah, he impressed me because, you know, he was alive. He said he could do it, and he did it. I gave, I, I kind of gave him a test. I said, I'm going to tell him last minute. I don't know if I told him that on a Thursday or on a Friday. It was short notice. Okay. He showed up. Okay. And, and how dressed up, really nice, and to really impress any woman. Exactly. He didn't impress me. And so he showed up on a Friday, and he spent the whole weekend with you. He spent uh, Saturday and Sunday with me. I don't know if he went home Sunday night or Monday morning. I think it was Sunday night because I had to work Monday morning. Okay. And the two of you went out and out and about in New York? Yeah, we had a good time. I took him to a lot of places in New York. I introduced New York to him. He was not familiar with New York, and New York is like my... Homes like my, it's my second home, it's almost like my, my first home because I was so young when I moved there. Um, so I know New York very well and I took him places. We had a good time. Okay. And um, when you spent the weekend in New York, uh, who paid for everything? Uh, we shared, really. Okay. Um, and after he came and visited New York, um, you continued talking on email and the phone? Yes, we, from that point on, actually, 
proposed to me that same night. Uh, and then we basically, we, we, we agreed to get married that same, same very night. Okay, so, so let's walk back for a second. So he's in the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and he proposed to you. He proposed to me that very fr Friday. Okay. Um, and what did you think when he proposed to you? I thought it was great. I mean, I was very happy to hear that. But I said, oh, yeah, my intentions are to marry you because, because I, you know, I like you. But we need to know each other better. And we need to move to New York. Okay. And how old were you at that point in time? Uh, I was... Um, 39, uh, wait, that was me, um, 39, wait, what year was that? 2005. Yeah, 39 or 40. Okay. And so after that first weekend in New York, um, you flew out to Ohio to see him? Yes, um, then it was my turn. He, the first time he went to New York, the second time, he um, had a pajama party with his friends from the U.S. Air Force. Well, well let's yeah. stop there. Let's stop there and walk back. So you flew out to Ohio to see him? Yeah, to this pajama party. He made me buy all kinds of outfits, pajama. Well, let's, let's walk through here. So you flew out to Ohio to, to visit him at his house in Warren, Ohio? No, Newton Falls. Newton Falls. So you flew out to see him at the Newton Falls house, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and you said he had a party with his friends. Where were his friends from? Oh, from Ohio. I don't know the names of the towns. I'm not very familiar. The only names I know is Warren. But he had friends from U.S. Air Force. They're all from the U.S. Air Force, the, the guys. Okay. So a lot of the friends were his Air Force friends? Yes. And he had a party? He had a pajama party. Okay. And he, did he throw the party? No, Gary Swigan did. Gary no, no, I'm sorry, Chris Swigan. Chris, Chris Swigan. And you spell Swigan S-W-E-A-G-E-N? I, I think it's S-W-E. G-A-N. Okay, well, we'll go with that. S-W-E-G-A-N. Okay. So, Mr. Swigan threw the party. He threw the party. Okay. And did Carl ask you to get dressed up? He gave me exactly directions as to what I should buy for me and for him. Colors, uh, everything. Uh, the model, the shoes. He went into details about what he wanted me to wear and told me to buy it. He said he was going to reimburse me for it, but he never did. Okay. And what did he have you buy? Uh, sexy, white, uh, silk pajama that was see-through, and a high heel, um, I don't know how to explain, one of those Victoria's Secret shoe that, okay. that has a pom-pom. I don't know how to explain. Okay, so a high-heeled shoe with a pom-pom on it? Yeah, everything was white, off-white, and um, it was three, but it was very sexy. 
I do feel, I feel like a hooker. I felt like a hooker, and, but he gave me directions, and, and he told me to buy him pajamas uh, to the navy with some pattern, and I did exactly what he told me to do. Okay. And were you uncomfortable wearing it? I was extremely embarrassed, of, yes. And why did you go ahead and do it? Because uh, I wanted to make him happy. Okay. Um, and after that visit, uh, it was his turn to, to come to New York? After that, he went to New York. I think it was just a week after that. Okay. And did anybody come to New York with him? Yes, his son, Brent, he was a 16-year-old. Um, he, um, he's a tall, tall boy. I think he's six foot four. He's autistic. Um, and we had a good time. I took them around to show them all the restaurants and museums. I took them to a lot of places. Okay. And I took who, pictures. And who paid for everything during that visit? I did. Okay. Um, and so uh, then the next time uh, you guys got together would have been your turn to come to Ohio, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, do you remember when you came to Ohio? It was, this whole thing took place in May. This whole thing took place in May. So I would say end of May I came. It was my second turn, my second trip to Ohio. Okay. And did you go anywhere uh, when you came to Ohio? Yes, we went to um, Putin Bay. Okay. Um, when you came to Ohio, did you know you were going to Putin Bay? No. So, can you, you tell us what happened? So, you flew in um, to Ohio and went to his house in Newton Falls, and then what happened? Uh, he said, we're going uh, to spend the weekend somewhere, but he didn't tell me where. He said, just bring a little overnight bag with, uh, um, with you. I know it's not close to sleep. We're going to spend two days away. But you didn't explain to me where we're going. Okay. And so you left Newton Falls, and did you meet up with anybody? Well, he took his car, and he drove to his brother's house, Paul Herrick. I don't remember exactly where he lived, maybe Poland. And he left his car there, and his brother, Paul, Paul Herrick, drove us to the ferry. Okay. And were there any sort of discussions that you found unusual in the car? Yeah, they were discussing about a wedding, a reception, a wedding, a wedding that was going to take place with a reception. They were discussing where the this reception was going to be, uh, the location. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the names, but they were name, saying names of all. I wasn't paying much attention because everything was so foreign to me. I didn't understand the names of the places, so I was kind of in my own world, you know, they were talking. I didn't know that actually they were talking about my wedding party, and I didn't okay. know I was going to get married. Okay. And when you got to Putin Bay, um, all Paul's friends were there? 
No, Paul. All right, Paul. 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 I'm sorry. All Paul's friends were there when you got to. Yes, Chris Wiegand, Gary Dodge, and um, then the guy that was okay. here um, okay. as a witness. I don't remember his last name. And and the wives too, and all girlfriends. Okay. Um, actually, at that point, there was nobody married at that point, but they all were engaged to get married. Okay. And did you find out that there was a special sort of party going on at Putin Bay? Well, I didn't know that there was a party, but it was. Uh, um, everybody came to me to say, uh, congratulations, congratulations. And I was embarrassed. I thought I was missing something on the English language. I said, what is that that I'm, I am missing? Because I don't know what they are congratulating me for. And I was just, thank you, thank you, trying to give it enough time for me to pick up and understand what they were congratulating me for. And they were congratulating me for my engagement. That was my engagement party that okay. I had no idea. Did, I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Uh, did, he, did he give you a ring at that time? No. After, um, after the Putin Bay party and visit, you went back to New York. After the Putin Bay, yes, I. I think I took a yes, I took a bus, Greyhound bus, back to New York because everything was me, and I was running short of money, so I took the bus because I couldn't I, I couldn't afford the airplane ticket. Okay. But you went back to New York City. I went back to New York City, yes. And continued living your life. Yeah, we continued talking on the phone okay. and, and uh, making plans to get married in August. Okay. And um, at that time, were you working? Where were you working? I was working in that, I think it's called PR a company that promotes books as, okay. a, as a controller, as an accountant. Okay. And had you told them um, about meeting Carl and getting married? No, I was very proud of him because he had a lot of, he had sent me a lot of pictures in U.S. Army uniform and holding guns like this. He looked so good. And I was proud of him and I was showing my co-workers and my boss his pictures, they were very impressed with him. They said, where'd you find this guy? He's really good looking. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm dating him. I didn't say anything about engagement or, or, or plans to get married because I thought it was too soon. I was embarrassed. Okay. And at this time you said you guys were talking about getting married in August. Yes. Um, and those plans changed. Why those plans changed? Because he felt that uh, me being in New York might, and all those uh, pictures that I had on Match.com and I hadn't yet taken them down. He was afraid that somebody else was going to propose to me and, and, um, and, and he was going to lose me. So he said we better close those 500 uh, mile gap. Uh, because uh, you may change your mind about marrying me. So um, he was anxious to get married, very anxious. Okay. And so did you guys move the wedding date up? Yeah, and all of a sudden he said, um, uh, let's forget about 
about this whole thing about marriage, uh, wedding reception. Let's just go to Las Vegas. Okay. And you guys went to Las Vegas. And then he said, he said we can have our our wedding reception uh, after we get married. Let's hurry up and get married okay. before you meet somebody else. Okay. And so you guys ended up getting married on June 30th, 2005. Yeah, that was only 50 days after we met the, the first time, yes, okay. June 30th, 2005. And that was the fifth time you'd actually met in person? Yes. Okay, so he'd been to New York twice, you'd been to Ohio twice, and you're getting married. Yeah. Okay. Who paid for everything when you were in Las Vegas? Me, I paid for everything, the hotel, the air ticket, the food. Okay. My wedding dress, his, his, um, I, I don't remember what seems, him some clothes, I just don't remember what I bought him. Okay. Who paid for the wedding rings? I did. Okay. Um, now, after you got married in Las Vegas, while you were still there, did you have some concerns? <clears throat> yeah, while we were there, um, I didn't have a good feeling about the whole thing, so we talked and we decided not to get married. We both decided not to get married. Okay. And then something changed? We went to the airport and we tried to uh, uh, get another flight. It was going to cost the same amount of the ticket, $500 a piece, to reschedule it. So we said, you know what, we're here. Let's have a good time. Let's enjoy ourselves. So we stayed. We stayed. And then the next day he said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's get married. Um, and I kind of went along with, if he said, let's not get married, I would agree with him. He said, let's get married, I would agree with him. It's just whatever he said, I would agree with him. So when he changed that his mind, he said, no, I want to do it. I said, okay, let's do it. So I was going along with everything he wanted. Okay. And after you got married, though, did you have some concerns? Yeah, I, right after I got married, I said, you know me, though. Big mistake. Um, I wanna to know this this thing, and he felt the same way. Actually, I started. He agreed with me, and um, as soon as we landed in Ohio, that same day, I think it was Fourth of July. That same day, I said, "Carl, I'm going. I'm going to New York. I'm packing my stuff." And I think I drove, yes, I did drive. I drove that time. Um, no, maybe not, don't get confused. But I remember I told him, uh, I'm going to back to New York today. And then just, uh, I said, we know uh, we're going to annul this wedding, this marriage. Um, I'm going back to New York today. So I, I, I left that day. Okay. And you went back to New York? I went back to New York. And you never you intended not to come back to Ohio? No, I, I didn't never come back to Ohio ever again. And you went back to the job you had in New York, right? I went back to my job. I was two days late, um, I believe. It was on Wednesday, and I missed work Monday and Tuesday. So the reason why I'm getting confused with the car is because I gave a story to my boss um, saying that I drove there, my car broke down. There actually, there was no car. I, I just got confused in my head. That was the story I gave my boss why I didn't show up for work on Monday. I didn't tell her that. I don't didn't tell her that 
I went to Las Vegas to get married. Okay. So you actually lied to her about getting married? I didn't tell her. I just didn't have the courage to tell her. Okay, why didn't you tell her? Because I was embarrassed of meeting a man in 15, in, in five, zero, five, 50 days, marrying a total stranger. Okay. And eventually you changed your mind and moved to Ohio. Why? Because I went back to Ohio that 4th of July and I just went back to my job and I told my boss, I'm sorry I missed the work Monday, Tuesday, but I'm here. This will never happen again. And um, I was there for two weeks. And then after two weeks, he calls me, 9 o'clock in the morning, saying, uh, when are you coming back? Well, uh, let's stop there. When you said he called me, who called you? Carl. Okay. So Carl called you at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, and, what, and, work. and what happened? He said, did you tell your boys yet that you got married? I said, uh, no, I haven't. He said, well, you have until noon to tell your boys that you married me, this man in Ohio. Um, and I said, uh, and then he said, if you don't, I'm going to tell her. Um, I, no, I think before he said, I'm calling your boys now and telling her that you married this man in Ohio. I said, no, no, I want to. I wanted myself to tell her that I knew what I did. I didn't want her to hear from you. And he said, uh, I'll give you until uh, 12 noon for you to tell your boss. If you don't, I'm going to call her and tell her. And did you tell your boss? Yeah, I gathered my courage, my strength, and I walked into her office and I told uh, Haiti. Crop was her name. Haiti, H E I D E, Crops, K R U P P. I went into her office and I told her everything. I said, I'm so sorry that I did this, that I lied um, about Mary. I was very embarrassed. And um, she said, you fired. <clears throat> okay. And so then did you decide to move to Ohio? Um, I was expecting that she would not fire me. I expected that she would keep me and I would annul my, my marriage. But um, she fired me. And then I, it was so hard to get that job because I, I had been fired uh, for my other job and my resume wasn't looking too good. Imagine being fired again. New York is very, competition is very hard. And if your resume is not very good, you don't stand the chances. So I knew that for me to get another job with that, you know, that record, bad record. Um, it was not going to be easy, so I saw no, I went from paycheck to paycheck, so I knew that um, it was not going to be easy for me to find another job, and so I felt that I had no choice, I had to move to Ohio because I couldn't, I couldn't, it was not going to be easy to find another job. Well, you talked about... Oh, so he, oh, I'm sorry. Just wait a second. Let me ask you a question here, Chris. Um, you talked a little bit about move, living paycheck to paycheck, right? Yes. Now, you did have a 
decent sized sum of money um, saved up, correct? Yeah, but that money was not to use on a day-to-day -day basis, was just, you know, to keep it, to keep that money. You know, I was single, I had no family in here. I had that money, I never intended to touch it. Okay, and how much money was that? 40000 Okay, $40,000? $40,000. Okay, and where did you keep that? In a safe deposit box. Okay, and so you decided to, to move to Ohio to try and make your marriage work? Well, because he gave me this ultimatum, and I lost my job, I had no place to go but, but come here. Um, at least I would have a roof over my head, and I thought I was going to have food. Okay. Uh, I thought I'm not going to have a lot of expenses, so I'm going to move there. And also he said something very nice that it compelled me to come. He said, you belong here with me, your husband, in Ohio. You belong by my side. Let's forget about everything that happened. Uh, let's start fresh. We belong together. I thought those words were, were very uh, sincere words. They, I believe I believed those words. Okay. And you still had your condo in New York? Yes. Okay. And were you able to rent that out? I rented that out. Okay. And so, when you moved out to Ohio, uh, what did you find? Oh, I found a brand there. He's six foot four, 16-year-old autistic son there, and I was confused about what he was doing there. And why were you confused about the fact Brent was living with him? Well, I didn't know he was living there. I thought he was spending um, some time in there, but it was our honeymoon. I didn't expect to see his kids spending vacation or some days um, in Newton Falls. He lived in North Carolina. Oh, I was surprised to so see him there. Carl told you that Brent lived with his mother in North Carolina. Yes. Um, so you, you move out here to Newton Falls, and you're living with Carl and Brent, correct? Well, yeah. Uh, he said, uh, well, the situation with my son, uh, his mother's not raising him correctly. He gained a lot of weight. I want to straighten out this boy, his hygiene and everything. So I need him with me uh, for a while. Um, do you mind? If I said no, uh, it was going to be a big problem. I said, well, okay, oh my God, he's right here. Okay. And uh, you were in Ohio for a little bit, and then Carl left for Texas. Yeah, we married uh, June 30th, came back from Las Vegas, like first week of June. Um, and then 30 days later, he... He told me he was making a career change. He was going to be with the U.S. Air Force part-time, and he was going to join Southwest part-time. Well, I think he lied to me. He said he made 120000 with the U.S. Force, and he was going to take a pay cut, be part-time with the U.S. Air Force, and part-time with Southwest together. His income was going to drop to to the same thing I was making. I was making sixty-two thousand. He was going to make a little, 
under what I was making, maybe 60000 So... But it didn't matter to me because I had my own money. Okay, well, let's, let's stop and, and work our way back. So you've moved out to, to be out with Ohio. Sorry, strike that. You've moved to Ohio to be with Carl, right? Yes. And he left to go to Texas for training with Southwest Airlines. Yeah, only 30 days. He just announced to me, I'm the, uh, oh, look, I'm going to uh, make a career changer here, and I need to be away for three or four months. You're going to be here alone with Brent, because Brent cannot be by himself, but you, you were married, and he can, legally he can stay with you. And I was, okay. Okay, so let's stop there. So he just says, you're going to live here with Brent, and he leaves for three or four months. Yeah, 30 days after we got married. Okay. And you'd only met Brent the one time in New York? Yes. And did he leave you any money or any funds uh, to take care of yourself or to take care of Brent? No, I had expectation that he would pay for my food and Brent's food because I wasn't working. I had savings, but I had no intentions of spending that money. Um, and he left us with no, no, no money to eat, not for me or Brent, nothing. So I had to feed all, us uh, ourselves, me and Brent. So I, I used the money, uh, the savings that I had. I started using that savings for food, for clothes, for me, for Brent. Um, Brent ate quite a bit. He was a big boy. He <laughs> liked his uh, snacks. And a lot of soda, a lot of, they call, they don't call it soda in Ohio, they call it pop, a lot of pop. Um, he went, ate quite a bit. Okay. And so, after three or four months, um, Carl comes back from Texas. Uh, about three or four months, he came back from Texas. Okay. And how was your, your marriage at that point? Uh, not, not good, because... Uh, Carl lived in the past, and he couldn't accept anything going wrong. He had high plans for Brent. Brent wasn't uh, meeting his expectations as far as losing weight and hygiene and finding a girlfriend and getting his driver's license. Brent was only about the computer. He was very frustrated with this whole thing, and he he. He was never happy about any, anything, so he wasn't happy with himself, well, and okay. it was difficult. Well, let's stop there. Let's, let's talk about your marriage to Carl. How was your marriage to Carl when he got back from being gone for three or four months? It was not good. Okay. It was not good because, you know, there was a kid there that he felt responsible to straighten out that boy, and he wasn't succeeding. He was he was taking it hard. He was not well. Okay. Um, and in December of 2005, you and Carl went on a trip? Yes, we went on a trip to Brazil. Okay, and why did you go to Brazil? <clears throat> to meet my family. Okay. And how long were you in Brazil? Maybe two weeks, ten days, two weeks. And who paid for that trip? I paid for everything. I paid for the ticket, the food, the hotel, everything. We bought clothes down there. I paid for everything. 
Okay. And in December of 2005, you found a, an accounting job in Ohio, right? Yes, I did. Okay. And um, what did you use the paycheck from that job for? Oh, I paid off every expense in the house, food, um, everything. If he needed to paint for the house, uh, he was always remodeling. Uh, he had an obsession with remodeling, painting walls all the time, taking walls down. He was always rebuilding the house. So I, uh, I paid for everything except for the mortgage and the electric. Everything else was on me, everything, everything was on me. He was all sending me to store. Uh, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, buy this, buy that, he would give me a list, go to the supermarket, that one, this, this, and that. He would tell me exactly what he wanted and I, but it, we never, he never gave me money for those things. I just had to go and bring those things home. And I used my, my money. Okay. Um. Well, I'm going to show you what's marked this exhibit. I want. And can you look at those real quick? Sure. those are? Yes, I do. And what are those? This is Carl's first email to me on match.com. Okay. And there's more than one page there? Yes, there's a second email to me as well. Okay. Can you look at the whole packet, all the pages, and tell me what they are? There is third page is his third email to me from match.com and fourth page is now we are corresponding directly from our personal emails. I was on AOL, he was on Hotmail. We are no longer corresponding through Match.com and this is May 3rd. Well, without saying what's in the emails, are they, is that the packet your, the correspondence between you and him on Match.com? Yes, those are emails that we, we exchanged um, since the day we met on May 27th until we see here May 23rd. No, sorry. We, we met in April 27th, and here there are emails through May 23rd, May 25th, May 25th, yes, through May 25th, so about 30 days of emails. Okay. And there are some handwritten notes on those? Yes. Whose notes are those? Mine. And you've uh, reviewed this exhibit L1 before? Yes. Or I1, sorry. I1. Okay. Is this a true and accurate 
record of the emails that you and he sent back and forth? Yes, it is. Now, jumping back to where I was. Um, in the middle of 2006, uh, you, you switched jobs in Ohio? Uh, yeah. Uh, this is the June, July, or the August of 2006. Okay. And why'd you switch jobs? Um, he got uh, me a new job in a CPA firm from his friend David, who had a CPA firm. So he got me a better job uh, money-wise. Okay. And how much did you make at that new job? Uh, $62,000 a year, it was over $5,000 a month. Okay. And when you, when you moved to Ohio, um, you opened up an account with SkyBank? I did. Okay. Um, that account was only in your name? Only my name. And actually, I used my voting last name. I didn't switch to his name because I thought the marriage was not going to work. So I didn't bother using his last name. Okay. Um, and your New York driver's license said Bolte. I used my New York driver's license with the name Bolte because I didn't want to lose his last name. I really knew this was not going to go anywhere, okay. this marriage. And this account was totally separate from Carl's account? We always kept um, um, when it's separate. I never see, saw one dollar of his money. I don't know what his paycheck was, how much it was. I never seen it. He never showed it to me. And so your accounts were always completely separate? Completely separate. And you paid for everything but the, the mortgage and the electric out of your account? Yes. I, was, um, uh, I mean, we didn't discuss it. He just had a way to make me pay for things. Even though we didn't discuss it, I wind up because he wouldn't pay for the food, so, and he wanted to eat good. He said, what are we having for, I want to eat such and such for dinner. We, uh, he actually gave me a menu. Uh, I had to follow a menu of food. Monday is this, Tuesday is that. I had to follow that menu. They had recipes, and I had to follow it. And I had to produce that cook, buy and cook. I would, he assigned that to me. And... During your marriage to Carl, he was often short of money, right? Well, I, he was always cornering and putting me against a corner for money. I don't know, I don't know anything about his expenses, actually, about his money. He never told me, he never disclosed that to me. Okay. I never seen a big statement of his or a big check. I don't know much about his finances. I'm going to show you what's been marked as Exhibit J1. Uh, do you know what those are? Yeah, that's my bank account. My uh, bank account only under my name, Claudia Bolton. I didn't want to use his name. And that's your Sky Bank? That's my Sky Bank, but I have another bank account. See the bank account, and I don't know why it's not in the records. Okay. I but paid a lot of stuff. My credit card was out of the city bank account. Okay. But 
those records are your uh, your SkyBank account records, correct? Yes, SkyBank account. And do you know when those records start? What the first month of those records are? Well, I noticed that this starts six months after I opened the account. I opened the account in July of 2005, but this starts in January of 2006, so it's missing six months in the year. Okay. Is it January 2006 or March 2006? Uh, one. Okay, so it starts... Uh, January of 2006. Okay. And when do they end? Uh, ends um, March 16, 2007. Okay. And during, uh, from January of 06, to January of 07, um, you owned Carl $7,075 out of that account? Out of that account, yes. And you kept a record of um, how much he repaid you, right? I did. Okay. And at the time of his death, he still owed you $636? Uh, yes, another uh, purchase that I, I, I bought some uh, trees for the house and plants, and he said he was going to pay me. So that's another $1,000 that he didn't pay me. But the $7,075 you talked about, that was cash that you just loaned to him when he asked you, right? Yes, that's, you can trace that through the, through the SkyBank account. Okay. And then you asked that he repaid you all the $636. Yes. You talked about some trees. Uh, you had paid for some trees for the house and he said he would repay you, right? Yes. And he had No, he did not. Are you aware if Carl got a $2,000 credit card advance in December of 2006? Yes, he, he mentioned that to me. Um, and at this time he was working for Southwest Airlines and for the Air Force Reserves? Yes, he was. And what was his schedule when he worked for Southwest Airlines? Um, every four days went like that. Uh, two and a half days flying. And one and a half day at home. He was burned out. He was exhausted. He, he, that kind of lifestyle was, he was starting to complain that he was tired. Okay. So he spent two and a half days away from home and then a day and a half at home. Yes. And then did he also have to work for the Air Force Reserve? Yes, he did. And how often did he work for them? Mm. I want to say twice a month, but maybe it was weekly. I don't, I'm not 100% sure about that. Okay. And on those days, that day and a half when Carl was, was home, um, did you guys go out and eat and do all sorts of those things? Yes, we always went out to eat. And did Carl have any specific requirements uh, for the way you dressed when you went out to eat? Yes, Carl always picked my clothes and laid it down uh, on the bed, and he picked the shoes. Had to be open-toed shoes. I was not well, allowed to wear boots or only for work, but or closed-toed shoes with him 
I was not allowed, even if it was snowing out, uh, I was not allowed to to wear shoes like, I'm sorry, like this type that hides the toes, I was not allowed to do that. Okay, so or wear jackets or coats, uh, even if it was snowing out, I was not allowed to wear that kind of clothes. Okay, and let's walk back. You picked up and showed the shoe you were wearing yes. just now, and it's a closed toe with the old shoe. Uh, it's it's no. closed toe, you can't see your toes. No, the other way around. I had to wear only shoes that would show my toes. Right. I was what I was saying is the court reporter can't show what you are doing. So when you picked up and showed your shoe, that's a shoe that you can't see your toes with, right? That type I was not allowed to wear that type of shoe with him. Okay. So and when you went out to ease, who paid for the meals? I paid for the meals. Okay. Um did you and Carl often go out with his friends from the Air Force? Yes. Okay. And did he have requirements for what you wore then? Yes, he always picked my clothes. I had to wear uh, all silk shirts. Uh, had to be a certain cut, a certain type. He picked all my clothes. Always picked my clothes to wear when I was with him. He didn't care what I wore for work, but when I was with him, I had to wear a certain, only what he meant for me to wear. And, um, as you saw earlier, um, at the, the time of Carl's death, you had about 70 pairs of shoes and all sorts of other outfits? Yes, I always had a lot of clothes. Did some of those come with you from New York? Most of it. Okay. Um, and it was out of that group that you picked what you wore? Yes, um, exactly. Now, did you pay for those clothes? Hi, yes, I paid for everything I ever owned. He never bought one piece of clothes. And my clothes, they were very cheap. They were like $5, $10. If you ever find anything, $25, it was an exception. My clothes were cheap clothes. Okay. And where did you buy those clothes? Uh, Penney. You're a New York girl at heart, right? I'm a what? A New Yorker girl at heart. You're a New Yorker? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm a city woman. I came from Rio de Janeiro, which is like New York. Just, they don't, New York doesn't have the beach, but the feel, the feeling is the same that business. Uh, a lot of people are used to that kind of environment. Did, did you like to wear the same outfit multiple times? The same set of clothes, did you like to wear the same set of clothes over? No, I'd rather wear a different style, cheap, but different. Okay. Even if it's $3, $5, I just wanted to wear it and not to worry about it anymore. That's what we've been doing in New York. Okay. They buy cheap clothes, lots of it. Um, when Carl was home and you guys were in the house, did he have specific requirements for what you wear? Yes, um, basically I couldn't only wear a, sh a skirt, short skirt with uh, heels, uh, he liked that pom-pom heel, but I couldn't wear other shoes as long as it was high heel, open toes, and um, uh, just a very small top. Uh, it, 
during the day, but if you know was uh, other times was later at night, I had to walk around just in heels, no clothes, naked. And uh, why did you put up with all this? I want to. I wanted really to be married. I want to make him happy. Uh, I was used to high demand. I came from that kind of. Uh, background that you know, people were hard on me in my life, and I, and I kind of was used to high demand, and he wasn't the demand. He, what he did was different, but the demand that was always used to uh, meet people's demand. So he was a very demanding man, and I thought that. Over time, he was gonna mellow up. He was older. Was he was forty? I was forty. People get set in their ways. I thought even over time, he was going to let go of that those those weird things that he did. I thought he was gonna change. Now um, we saw pictures earlier that all of your clothing and your makeup and your jewelry uh, were all in the basement of the house. Yes. Um, and you had like a dressing area down there? Yes, with a mirror and uh, a, a surface where I kept all my makeup and jewelry. Why was all of your stuff in the basement? Because Carl did not allow me to keep anything of mine in the bedroom. I was not allowed to keep, even if it was uh, a sock, socks, socks, nothing, not, a, not even my shoe. The only piece of thing I, I was allowed to keep in the bedroom was that shoe with the pom-pom. He loved that shoe. He allowed me to have that there, but no other thing, nothing, not a, not a makeup, not a piece of anything of mine. Uh, um, he, he didn't like that, but we, that was my bedroom for sleeping. Um, and you had a computer. I have a computer. And where'd you keep your computer? In the basement. Okay. Um, and at this time, Carl was gone, what, two and a half days every week, every four days? Yes. Um, so two and a half days you were home alone, and then he was there in a day and a half? Yes. Okay. Um, did you get to pick out any furniture for the house, any furniture for the family room or anything? No, the house only belongs to him. He was the only one allowed to pick calls for uh, the walls or furniture. Uh, I was only allowed to clean and cook, but the house was his. I wasn't allowed to pick anything for the house. Now, there was a foosball table? There was a foosball table in, in the uh, main living room. Did you like that? No, no, it was weird. I wanted to have furniture in, in there. Let's let's walk back to July of 2005, right after you guys got married. Um, you got pregnant. I got pregnant. Okay, was that a surprise? It was a surprise because I was married 10 years before and, and I never got pregnant. Uh, and I thought that I was already 40. I thought that it was too late for me to get pregnant. I was not going to. Uh, my first husband had problems, and I guess that's why I didn't get pregnant. Okay. But still. I do, and Carl talked about having kids? We didn't. You didn't? No, we didn't talk about the, the kids stuff. And I, uh, he asked me how I felt about kids. I said, I don't. 
I don't mind if I never have children. Uh, I'm so used to. I, I don't know. I, I'm your old now. I don't think about those things anymore. I don't think about becoming a mother because I think I'm too old for that. Uh, how did Carl react when you told him you were pregnant? He um, uh, was not a good reaction. He is. He said that I set him up and. He uh, um, didn't want anything to happen to my body, which belonged to him. Uh, he didn't want me to have stretch marks, like it happened to his first wife. And he hates stretch marks, and he said it caused all troubles, uh, sex, sexual trouble, difficulty, uh, uh, sexual difficulty with his first wife, Rhonda, because she had stretch marks. And he didn't want to take a chance of me getting stretch marks. He didn't want me to have to get pregnant, to wreck my body. And did he suggest a course of action to you? He said, uh, I, I, he was looking for uh, an abortion clinic for me to have an abortion. Did you want to have an abortion? No, I said, I'm sorry, um, I'm not going to have an abortion. I didn't blame this, I didn't want to. Didn't think I could get pregnant, but um, I didn't think about motherhood. I I didn't crave it because I never felt it. But once I had that thing inside of me, I wanted it. I didn't want to have the abortion. No. Did this cause a lot of stress between you and Carl? Very, very, very much, very much so. And what happened? What happened? Well, the, when he realized that I'm really not going to have the abortion, he, he started uh, torturing me psychologically, physically, uh, finding ways to uh, stress me out so I would have a natural abortion, what do you call it, a miscarriage, uh, sleep deprivation. He would uh, make me... Uh, run miles, uh, and then he would leave me out in the middle of the woods in, in Newton Falls, dark like 6 p.m., and then disappear. I would freak out and start running real fast because I was scared that he left me behind. So I started running, running, running. I was pregnant, and then I guess that it wasn't good. It was early pregnancy. He would do that kind of, and he wanted me to get in real good shape. He made me do workout with weights, and he was like a personal trainer while I was pregnant. I guess all of this uh, made me have the miscarriage. Okay. So you had a miscarriage? I did have a miscarriage, yes, in, in the middle of the night, and I woke him up and said, Oh, car, car, I'm feeling a lot of pain. I haven't seen with the blood. I'm having a lot of pain here, like I'm um, having my period. And then I sat in the bed and then I looked down and there was blood. I said, there was blood here, there was blood. I didn't think of, I didn't have experience with it. There was blood, there was blood. It was the middle of the night. He said, uh, okay, we'll go to the doctor in the morning. And we went to the doctor in the morning. And you had a miscarriage? I had a miscarriage, yes. And what happened after the miscarriage? Well, I became very depressed with that because I was ready looking to baby's clothes, even though he didn't want it, but I was determined to keep it. I was looking to baby's clothes, 
And oh, he called me looking at that. He said, what are you doing? I said, call, please. We, don't talk to me about that. Okay, so I kept doing, I was tuning him out. And I, I just decided I was going to have that baby. And he decided I was not going to have that baby. So he was doing whatever he was doing to make me not have it. And I was doing whatever I need to do to have it, to keep it. So we were just going in opposite directions. It was a lot of uh, friction between us at that time. And then in February of 2006, you got pregnant a second time? I did. Uh, was that also a surprise? It was. How did Carl react when you told him about this? Oh man, he said, uh, we already discussed that. He keeps setting me up. You're gonna have an abortion. I said, Carl, we already discussed that. Don't even bring it to back. Don't bring it up to me. We're not discussing pregnancy in this house. We're not discussing it. Okay. And you had a but you know, he had these silent tactics with me of not letting me sleep. He knew what it was doing. I didn't realize at the time that they were uh, torture tactics and tactics to make me stressed that my body would uh, uh, would reject that pregnancy because of the level of stress. He knew exactly what he was doing. He would do mental torture, not let me sleep, even though he knew I had to wake up early because I was already working with my first job. Um, so I was exhausted pretty much because it was tax season and all. It was about February. Of March of 2006. Well, let's talk about that. So Carl would be gone for every two and a half days out of four, right? Mm -hmm. That's a yes? That's a yes. Okay. And then when he was in town, he wanted to stay up late and watch TV and spend time with you, right? Uh, I don't know if you call that spend time with me. I was obligated to uh, watch TV with him. He would lay down on the couch and I had to sit by his foot and just not move like a statue. And if I called him anything and changed position, he would give me a dirty look and, and really have an evil look to his face. But I was allowed to get up to get him drinks of food. He ate a lot. He was also telling, get up, go make something for me to eat, make this, make that. Uh, I want I a specific drink. He would drink specific things, and he was drinking a lot. So drinking a lot in 2006. Let's, let's, let's back up and, and focus on what we're talking about. So he'd stay up until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning? No, further than that. At least 3 o'clock. 3.30, 3, 3.30. 3 and you'd have to get up the next day and go to work? Yeah, I had to get up at 5. Okay. And um, in this second marriage, you had, a, you had another miscarriage? With the second uh, pregnancy? Yes, in, in February of two, 2006. Okay. Now, um, you and Carl had a uh, an active sex life, correct? We did, um, but it was not normal sex. Okay. Um, Carl had issues in the bedroom? Yeah, um, we, he was not able to perform without Viagra or without bondage or without something weird, or me pretending to be dead, he, he would not get an erection uh, with normal sex. 
Um, and you talked earlier in your interview that was played about a website called Hogtide. Hogtide. Um, what was that website? It's about sadomasochism. It's about bondage. Okay. And would he make you do things he saw on the website? Yes, but this all took, yes he did, but this was all, all after we got married, he never hinted to me that he had any sexual issue or fetish, is that called fetish, 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 I cannot say that word, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, he, I never noticed before we got married, what I know is that he was very nervous about his penis, he, he had a lope in the middle of his penis that he said some woman when he was deployed he went to Germany, she sat on his penis, she broke it, he has this lump and that turned into cancer, he was freaking out about having cancer and he was freaking out about not performing, he asked me if I was going to leave him, I said no, I know about a lot, I know that a lot of men have sexual issues because they get nervous and they cannot perform. I didn't see anything wrong with that. I didn't see it coming. I didn't, I didn't and, think anything uh, of it. As this went on and all this went on, um, again, why didn't you leave? Because um, I was giving, I thought, you know, he's 40. What man doesn't have emotional baggage? He told me that uh, stories about horrible marriage with Rhonda, how much she was evil sexually to him and did so many horrible things to him, traumatized him. I thought that was the reason. I said, I'm not that way. So whatever traumas he has from his past, over time, he's going to, I'm going to help him overcome these, these issues. Um, and uh, in 2006, um, Carl approached you about getting a, a maid, correct? Yes, that was uh, end of 2006. Okay, and, and where did you want to get a maid from and why did you want to get a maid? He wanted a maid from Brazil. He um, wanted to be like, he watched a show called Big Love which is a man with multiple wives and he wanted to bring a maid from Brazil he said, it's, you work a lot so she'll do the house cleaning and she'll be like my second wife uh, um, and you're only gonna get the good part you're gonna get the sex you're gonna, you're gonna do the, the uh, cleaning and, and then we're gonna have sex it's gonna spice up our sex life did you give him your opinion about that idea? I did. And what was your opinion about that idea? I said, talk to the hand. I'm not listening to this kind of stuff. Okay. And how did that go over? He wouldn't stop. He would uh, He was also say the same thing to me. Talk to the hand. I want this made. You're going to make it happen. Uh, you're going to file the papers. You know exactly what to do. I want this made here. And we both would talk to, to each other. Talk to the hand. We're not listening to each other. Okay. Um, and I think on your interview you talked about another show you liked called Miles High. Miles High. And what was that TV show about? Miles High was about the lifestyle uh, of that he really 
that's the whole reason why I think now he left the, the U.S. force. He, uh, Miles High was about pilots and the crews, uh, the crew, I'm sorry, the pilots and the crew, men having sex with men and women, women have sex with men and women, they all having swapping, it was, what's that called, orgy? O-R-G-Y, like swinging, it's like big. And so that's what the show was about? That's what the show was about, and I was forced to watch men with men, women with women, it's a big, big sex party. Now, did did Carl talk to you about engaging in this sort of conduct? Yes, he um, was pushing me to... um, um, towards his uh, pilot, uh, um, I guess it was the captain. Um, he um, uh, was trying to have me um, sleep with um, uh, a pilot. Okay. And you didn't approve of this lifestyle? No. I'm conservative. I don't approve of that kind of, uh, of swapping, uh, couples swapping. I don't like it. Okay. Did that cause problems in your marriage? Yes, yes. He felt I was too uptight. He, he, he actually told me, look, I've been around for a long time. I've done everything in this life. And sexually, uh, for me to get an erection, it takes a lot. I need to do a lot of different stuff. Okay. Um, another issue that caused, or another problem uh, that caused issues for my wife was uh, he was obsessed with uh, Carla de Castillo. Carla de Castillo was his second wife. He met her in Peru, and he brought her to the United States. She was a woman that didn't speak any English, and his obsession with me was because I looked just like Carla de Castillo. Her hair was a little darker than me, than mine. She, he made me um, dye my hair. Darker, black, so I would look more like her. He spoke about her 24-7, lying in bed. He would speak about her. In the car, he would speak about her. He would speak about her all the time. And this woman didn't speak any English, and he abused the life out of her, and threw her out when she insisted on having a child, and he threw her out. Let's stop there. Um, and did that also cause problems in your marriage? Well, we did, because instead of us being bad, hugging, and kissing, he would be, I would be his therapist in, in bed, and him talking about Berta, another girlfriend, and Carla Dogasillo, an ex-wife, and I had to be his therapist about old, old relationships. Okay. And even with all this, you stayed with him, why? Like I said, I, I thought that they had a lot of issues uh, that I could help help him overcome these issues. I have, I thought, I had a, um, an inclination to be a psychologist and help people. So I thought I could fix him and help him uh, uh, overcome his psychological issues and sexual issues. Okay. Um. After your second miscarriage in 2006, uh, you noticed some changes in your mental health? Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of changes. My f- 
physical, first of all, I saw gaining weight. Uh, the depression caught up with me from the first uh, uh, miscarriage and then the second miscarriage. Me working a lot, uh, not getting enough sleep, a lot of demands, I have to keep the house perfect. He once got home and there was one glass, one glass, one single glass, uh, dirty uh, glass in the sink. He said, come here. He sat me on the couch like a little girl and said, you know, if you clean the house 99 times and you don't clean it once, to me it's like you never clean the house 100 times. So he made me understand that he wanted a perfectly clean house in a glass uh, in the sink, him coming home from trip. He didn't expect to see that, so uh, he was very demanding on me. So it was a lot of demand on, on my physical, on I can so many rules that have to follow. I cannot do this, I cannot do that, I have to wear this clothes, I have to wear that clothes, I have to eat this, I cannot eat that. So I can speak, I cannot think, I cannot have an opinion. I couldn't do anything, I had to be invisible, I have to be like a robot, a geisha, a doll. I was not human, he didn't treat me like a human being, he didn't treat me like I was a person. Um, and uh, then I became depressed. After Brent left, I think it was June of 2006, we had, um, he was uh, more affectionate. Uh, but he like he fell apart. Okay, he well, all his mental issues were surface. Well, let's, he stop, became... let's stop there, okay? And then let's back up and, and ask a question. So you talk about in mid two thousand six, uh, Brent left the house, right? Yes. Okay. He went back to his mother in okay. North Carolina. And you noticed the change in Carl at that point in time. I did. And what sort of changes did you notice? Well, he became more affectionate, but at the same time, he became more fragile. It's like, let me see what really was inside of him. And he was, in, he was tormented. He was, he was in so much pain, he couldn't forgive anything that went wrong in his past. His divorce from Rhonda, uh, that he, think, he thought destroyed uh, his kids. His kids became fat. He couldn't live with that. And then he couldn't live. He wanted had aspirations of becoming um, a politician. And he thought a divorced man has less chance of becoming a politician because a politician has to have the perfect house, um, the perfect yard, the perfect kids, the perfect wife, and there was nothing else perfect. And he this he was falling apart. So I had to take care of my own psychological issues. Had to um, uh, work long hours. And I had to be take care of Carl that was falling apart uh, because of his daughter getting pregnant, 18-year-old daughter getting pregnant. Brent, uh, his son, going back to North Carolina, he had no control, he was a control freak. He had no control over his kids. He has no control over anything. He was freaking out. He was drinking. He was in bad shape. And then he started... Um, having bad landings, airplane landings with Southwest. He would come home and say, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. So I had to 
suicide for the first time? What? What the? Late 2006, early 2007, you tried suicide for the first time? Uh, yes. Okay. And how did you try to commit suicide? With a gun. Okay. And that was a gun that was in the house? Yes, Carl's gun. Okay. And Carl kept a number of guns in the house? Many guns. And earlier in your marriage, you'd expressed to Carl that you had concerns about living in the country and your safety? Yes, because being from, you know, coming from a big city, you always worry about people breaking into your house. And he said, uh, I don't have keys to the house. I said, how could you not have keys to the house? Lock the doors. He said, no, the, in this house we don't lock doors. So that doesn't freak me out. Okay, well, we're going back to that. At that point in time, did he take you out and teach you how to shoot a gun? Yes. And was there a pistol in the house that you... Knew about? Yes. And was that the gun you tried to commit suicide with? Yes. Um, when you tried to commit suicide, what stopped you? Uh, I, I didn't have the courage to do it. So I, was a, I was afraid of um, not dying, just, uh, what do you call it, getting wounded and not dying, so I didn't have the courage. And then we move forward to February 7th of 2007. You remember that day? Oh, say it again. What February time? 7th of 2007. Oh, yes. And on that day, you took um, all the sleeping medication you had? Yeah, the sleeping pills, about almost 30. And you were at your house, right? In Newton Falls, yes. And you told um, Carl that you did this. I told Carl, look Carl, I did this and just want you to know that I took those pills um, and I probably will die, but I don't want to die in this house because I don't want you to be responsible for my death. death. So I'm just going to get in my car and uh, drive away and I'll die somewhere else and uh, it's not going to be your fault. And in the meeting, before I told him that, I went and hid his car keys. So he could not just follow me in my car. It just ran. I said those words to him. And I ran in my car, took the car, started driving. And I lost conscience. Uh, real quick, I think less than 10 minutes. or so 10 minutes maximum, I lost conscience. So I don't know what happened. Um, um, where I drove to, I, I don't remember the driving because I lost conscience. Okay. But you ended up in an accident? I went up in an accident, yes. Okay. I fell with a car into the ditch. Okay. And after the accident you ended up in the hospital? Well, they took me to the hospital, they revived me, and they released me. 
and we were waiting in some room for the for paperwork, and the, the nurse um, said, "Okay, so you you." She asked him, "Mr. Carl, are you ready for uh, Miss Miss Harriet to come back home?" Um, and he's he hesitated, and she she wanted to know why he hesitated. It's because I had just told him uh, before the nurse entered the room about trying to commit suicide with his gun. So he then he told the nurse about this first suicide, and the nurse said, "Well, now it's two suicides. Uh, I'm going to tell that to the psychiatrist." And then she did it to help me and put me in the mental hospital okay. for a few days. So the first hospital you were taken to was the emergency room? Yes. Okay. And they gave you something to, to counteract the sleeping pills and got you uh, all recovered after the accident? I, I was unconscious for, I think, more than 24 hours. I don't know what they did to me. And then the second facility we're talking about is they, they then committed you um, to a psychiatric ward because you were danger to yourself. Yeah. Okay. And I begged him not to do that. I said, you're going to make me lose my job. My job is all I have. You know, I'm a workaholic. And you know, this is my life. Working is my life. You take away my life, my, my work, my job. You take away everything from me. Okay. And so on February 7th, you were admitted to St. Joseph's Health Center? Yes. Okay. And can you look at what's been marked as exhibit K1? Do you know what that is? Someone's of David, someone who had worked at St. Joseph's Health Center is saying something about my health. Can you look at health? can you look at what's after the first page? Do you recognize the information on that? Same patient, Gordon Herrick, where I was employed here, Jack and Dave. Um, Do those look like your health records from St. Joseph's? Yes. Now, Mr. Cornelli, it's about time for our afternoon break. We can find a good place to This would be a good spot. This would be fine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to take 15 minutes. Uh, do not discuss this case among yourselves. We'll have to our former expression of opinion. We'll point out the pedigree of witnesses who take the